Hello, everybody. Welcome to Destiny Church Online Alive. We're so glad that you joined us today. We just want you to gather around wherever you're uh, hearing this or receiving this broadcast. Gather around your uh, sofa, whatever, and uh, kitchen table, and just enter in with us and to just hook up with us as we do the songs and worship and begin to praise God. And then as you receive the word today, we just believe that God's going to visit you right there where you are. There's, there's really no distance. Even though we're separated by uh, distance and time, there's no distance in the spiritual realm. And so God will meet you right there wherever you are. And so I just, I just invite you to join in with us as we enter into the very presence of God today. I'm just trusting God to meet your need, the need of your heart today, that he'll minister life minister his presence to you right where you're at. And so as we start, let me just uh, pray together. Let me just pray a word of prayer, blessing over this time that we have together. Lord, thank you so much that we can gather together around the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you that you said in your word, you gave us a great promise that you inhabit the praises of your people, that you show up when your people start praising, you show up. And so, Lord, as we start praising you today, we just thank you, God, that you will begin to, to manifest yourself in peace and in joy and in love and acceptance to your people today, that whatever need they might have, whether it be physical or natural or emotional or mental or spiritual, Lord, that you begin to meet that need as they're partaking of this service today. God, I just pray right now that you bless them abundantly beyond what they could ask or think. We ask you for that now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's, let's enter in as Lauren comes and leads us in some worship.
You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, and Jesus, Yo 
Press my face against the earth Till my heart it rises over my head And as the weed it bows down low When the autumn wind it blows I kneel before the one I love Find me grateful Find me thankful Find me on my knees Find me dreaming Find me singing Find me lost in your grace The dust that you first held in the garden where you knelt pulled me up against your face again until the breath of your home fills the breath of my soul. Till all I know is I've been found by love.
morning, church. Good morning, friends. We're so thankful for that, that you've joined us wherever you are, if you're in your homes, if you're in, uh, on the other side of the world. We're just so grateful to be able to worship together. There's no distance in the spirit. And today, I just pray that you are, like that song said, found on your knees, whether it's in your heart, just worshiping, grateful. Find us grateful because we serve the living God. You know, I woke up this morning and I just uh, had this thought come to me that, you know, God is the God of the armies of heaven. And there's more that be with us, that be with them. And so I was just praying for our state today and just declaring that the armies of God were around our state. That God is doing something mighty, mighty in our state. God is doing something mighty in the hearts of people. You know, in Luke it just says, when your heart is open, the light floods in. If all you have to do is open your heart and God's light, God's love will flood in. And as we're worshiping him today, I can just feel God's light and his love flooding this place. And I believe it's flooding your place wherever you are too today, this morning. And so I just want to declare a blessing over you and just declare that the armies of God are working on any situation that you have that needs to be, any darkness that needs to be dispelled, any depression, any sickness or disease, because he is the God of the living. He is, uh, Psalms 107 says, he's better than we can even think. He's better than you think. So I just declare this morning and I just pray that everyone who is watching this service right now, I just pray that you are sensing God's spirit. I release the spirit of God to work in your life, in your situations, And I just declare every bit of darkness to be dispelled in Jesus' name. Any depression must go. Any sickness and any disease must go and must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. So thank you for joining us today. And you know, worship is so powerful. Uh, Worshiping the living God is really powerful. And you can uh, play these uh, worship services over and over again. And just worship with us. And when you worship, and when you open your heart to God, darkness dispels. And um, so I'm just really thankful for this worship team and how they have uh, worshiped God and brought the presence of God. So um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us around the world, too. Uh, Hi to all of our friends who are near and far. Um, I'm going to let Lauren share now. Thanks, Trish. Well, good morning, church. Um, just as we give this morning, if while you're preparing that, there's going to be a giving screen in just a minute. But I just wanted to let you know there's a couple ways that you can do that. You can mail a check to the church. We're still open. We're still here. If you need anything, um, if you need us to partner with you in prayer, if you have a need, reach out to us. We're here and we're thinking about you and praying for you. But there's a couple different ways. Um, that address is 27871. 140th Avenue, Ashby, Minnesota, 56309. Or you can text to give, and that number will show up on that screen, but it's 218-316-6085. And just as these encouragements and exhortations have been spoken out this morning, I'm just, you can feel the Lord here this morning, and just that he is for you in every area of your life. Um, we're talking about finances at the moment, but he's with you in those checking accounts, in your finances, in your jobs, in your homes, um, just while you parent your children, as you're living life with your family, as you reach out to your communities. He's with you and he's for you. So again, that giving stream's going to pop up in a minute. Be blessed. Cozy on in. We're going to get ready to hear from Pastor Steve. Hey, thank you so much for your faithful giving. Thank you, Lauren, for sharing that information with us. And thank you, worship team, for that great worship service that we had this morning. I want to thank you once again for being so faithful in your giving. Uh, I know we're, like I said, we're a little bit apart, but um, 
you've been faithful to support the church here and the ministry. We, you know, we've been sending extra money to different places to support what's happening around the world. And so, so thank you for thankful for your giving. I have a message here today that it's kind of a continuation of last week's message. I titled this message, The War of Words. The War of Words. It's kind of a catchy title. Um, it's usually, you know, when you hear the, that phrase, the war of words, a war of words, you think of it in terms of two people, you know, kind of spitting at each other, you know, insults or uh, degrading type statements. And that's not really what I'm going to be talking about today. I want to talk about how all of us as Christians, that we are in a battle, we are in a warfare. And, you know, some people say, you know, that we're not, but actually the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God. And so obviously we're in a warfare. Um, if He says our warfare. And so, but he says that the weapons that we fight with are not carnal. They're not natural weapons. We're not talking about warring with guns or knives or bombs or anything like that. We're not talking about that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And so we have a, a warfare that we're involved in. Uh, and so therefore we have, a, we have an enemy. You know, Peter said that our, our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. And Paul describes our enemy in Ephesians 6 verse 12 where he says we wrestle against flesh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we have a warfare that we're involved in, and we have an enemy that we are combating. Uh, but we also, also must remember that we, we don't fight from a place of uncertainty. In other words, it's not like we don't know which way the battle will go. We know because Jesus has already won the battle, and, and so we actually fight from a place of victory. And, um, and the thing about that is, so what are we doing? We are enforcing the victory that has already been, been won. You know, Jesus already won the victory for us, but we're, what we're doing is we're enforcing that victory. You know, during World War II, I watched some of these documentaries, sometimes these war documentaries, and, and to be honest with you, they're pretty depressing. I mean, war is, is, is horrible. But I, I remember like in World War II, you know, America won the battle against Jap the Japanese, but still there are places all over the east there in those different uh, nations and islands where Japanese had set up strongholds. And a lot of people didn't get the word that the, the victory had already been won, that J Japan had surrendered. And so they spent a lot of time you know, flushing out these little, these little segments or these little bands of fighters who had not got the word. And uh, so they had to battle even after World War War was over, after the victory had been won. And I liken that a lot of times, like how we are, what position that we are in. Jesus already won the victory, but what we're doing is we're enforcing the victory. And so what we have to understand is that God gave us weapons of our warfare, weapons of our warfare. And one of the greatest weapons that he gave us is our words, what we say, speaking. Remember when Jesus was in the garden, or when he was in the wilderness with the enemy, Satan came to him and tempted him. And the way Jesus defeated the enemy was, he said, it is written, Satan. And he quoted Bible verses to him. And that's, he gave us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. And so we fight, our weapon, one of our weapons is the words that we speak. Now we can speak these weapons out, we can speak words out, uh, scripture verses out, words that have scripture basis for them. We can speak those out. We can sing them. Like last week, I talked a lot about singing certain verses. And, and a lot of the songs that we sing are filled with truth, and those truths are so powerful. And we can sing them out, or actually even poetry. The book of Psalms is filled with poetry that expresses, they're actually statements of faith or statements of truth that are set to poetry, and they are declarations against the enemy and, and, and a, a positive declaration over God's blessing over our lives. And so it's very important for us to, to use, our words, uh, use our words strategically. You know, uh, there's a verse that we used last week. It's 
kind of our opening verse, but I want you to see this once again uh, in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 7. Uh, so we, here's what we do is that we deploy our weapons. We deploy our weapons in opposition to Satan and what he's doing. We deploy our weapons through our words in opposition to Satan and what he's doing and in support of what God is doing. So we, we actually use it both ways. We use it as a, as a weapon against the enemy, but we also use it as a way of blessing what God is doing. And so we can see this, like in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7, we see this dual purpose here in this verse. Verse 7, it says, Who are you, the, the prophet is speaking, the word of the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace unto it. And so here, like I said to you last week, this is a, a situation where the people of God are struggling they're, they're trying to build a temple in Jerusalem, which becomes the center of their worship. And they have been 70 years in Babylon captivity. And so this arendment had come back and they're trying to rebuild their life, trying to rebuild their society. But they've been struggling for actually 18 years, 18 long years, and making very little progress. In fact, it looks it seems like every day almost there's more opposition to the work. It comes from within. The people are becoming discouraged. Then they have people surrounding them. The surrounding towns and villages are, are beginning to speak opposition. And then they, they go write a letter to the king. And all this stuff is happening. And so the situation looks totally hopeless. There's absolutely no, uh, op, no hope whatsoever that they're going to make any progress. And all of a sudden, God sends this man, uh, Zechariah, who is a prophet, and, he, and God gives him messages, and they're so powerful. And so this is one of the messages. And, and first of all, the message is against the opposition. He said, who are you, O great mountain? This mountain is not a natural mountain. It's not a literal mountain. It's figuratively speaking, it's the opposition. It's the impossibility of the situation. It's the difficulty of the task. That's the mountain. I don't know about you, but all of us in our lives, we face difficulty. We face situations that seem impossible. We, maybe we've struggled with something like they did. They struggled for 18 years. Maybe you've struggled with something in your life for years and it's been just, it's defeated you and you haven't made any progress and you feel like, oh, this is just hopeless. I want you to know it's no situation is hopeless. Nothing is impossible with God. And so what God does is, you think about this, a pretty strange way to solve a problem or to make forward progress, to talk to the difficulty. But that's what the first thing the prophet says. The prophet says, who are you, O great mountain? For before Zerubbabel, you'll become a plain. So not only does he, he kind of speaks defiantly, who do you think you are to stand there in opposition to the work of God, to stand there in opposition to the people of God? And then he says, you will become a plain. In other words, you're going to flatten out. You know, they, this virus thing that's going around, they always talk about, we want to see it flatten out. Well, here's a, here's a place where he talks about something flattening out. He says, mountain, you're going to flatten out. You're going to become a plain. So he's actually talking to this mountain. That's a very strange way when you think about it. And the other thing that he says, and he shall bring forth the capstone. The capstone is the finishing stone of the temple. The thing that they're trying to accomplish here, the finishing stone, the roof, the capstone. He says, he'll bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace unto it. Notice it. In other words, the people are going to be shouting grace, grace unto it. So you can see here there's a dual way in which words are used. They're used to speak against opposition, the mountain, to speak against the mountain, to challenge the mountain. Mountain, you're going to become a plain. And then words are used to speak blessing over what God is doing or what God wants to do. Um, and so I think in our lives, we can see this dual use of words. We speak, we speak in opposition to mountains. We declare to mountains that they must move, difficulty that they must move. When situations rise in our lives, uh, when we, maybe we feel like we're in the midst of despair or financial trouble comes, a lot of people 
today are, are experiencing financial trouble because maybe they lost their job or they, uh, they're working uh, part-time or whatever and they don't have the, the amount of income that they need. Well, that's like a mountain. It raises its ugly head in opposition, say, basically says to you that you'll never, you're never gonna make it through this situation. You're never gonna have the money that you need. You're never gonna figure this out. You're never gonna advance forward. You're always gonna be in this situation. Listen, that's a mountain. You need to let that mountain hear your voice. No, it's God works all things together for my good. God is working on my side. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every word that rises against me in judgment is condemned. You need to let these mountains hear your voice and, and, and tell them that they're going to flatten out, just like it says here in Zechariah. And so, you see that, and that's really, when you think about it, is a pretty strange way to, to fight battles when you think about it. That, that's pretty strange to speak to things. But that's what this prophet, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, was doing. You see, when you think about it, situations that we, that we face, impossible situations, actually almost like they have a voice. This mountain had a voice. We, we look, we, we confront situations, and it almost, even though it's not literally talking, it's, it in a sense says something to us. This mountain was saying something to, to the people in that day. This mountain was saying, you will not make it. You are not going to succeed. You are going to fail. You will never amount to anything. This whole remnant situation is going to fail. I'm telling you, you're going to fail. Every day they were bombarded by these thoughts or these ideas. It was like this mountain was speaking to them. And so uh, then Zechariah said, I got something to say to you. I got a word for you, mountain. And here's the word for you. This is the word of the Lord for you. You're going to flatten out. You're going to become a plane, and we're going to move forward. You're going to be, you're going to, you're going to be, uh, bring, be brought down. And so God has a word to say to our opposition. You see, words are incredibly powerful. Words affect our lives. It affects, they affect our situation. Words that we say about ourselves, words that we say about, our, about the people in our lives, words that we say about even our government, Words that we say have a powerful effect upon our lives. You know, it's interesting here. Let me just give you a couple, two or three verses. And let me say, there is a, there's so many verses throughout the, throughout the Bible that talk about words. But in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 3, it says, He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Just think about that. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. In other words, he who watches what he says, makes sure that he doesn't go around cursing his own life or cursing himself. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Isn't that interesting? I remember I heard this story about a guy who, who, who is like 40 years old and he was dying of cancer. And, um, and so... Uh, some, some people went there to pray for him. And so this one guy said, I went over there and I laid my hands on him. He was in the hospital and we laid my hands on him. And the Lord spoke to me and said, don't do it. He's, he, he, um, he's, he cursed himself or some, said something like that. And so later the guy said, what do you mean by that? And the Lord said, he always said, listen to this. He always said, I'll die of cancer at a young age. He would always say that. What a dumb thing to say. He would, but he would say that, I will die of cancer at a young age. And so he actually cursed himself and he brought himself into a situation where he, he with his own mouth, he brought destruction to, him, to his life. He brought a curse upon himself. He opened the door and allowed the enemy to come in and bring cancer upon his life. And so that's why the Bible says here that if we watch what we say, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. In other words, if you don't watch, put a governor or put boundaries on what you say, you open your life up to destruction. Here's another verse, Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the, from the fruit of his lips, fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. 
Then he says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Think about that for a second. He says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Both life is in the power of the tongue and death is in the power of the tongue. Both things are present in your, in your tongue or in your speaking. And so you have to choose which, one, which direction you want your life to go. You want it to go toward death or you want it to go toward life. It depends on you and what you say. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so your life, by what you say, you can send your life in the direction of life and blessing, or you can send your life in the direction of death and, and destruction. It's up to you according to these verse. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 37, he says, for by your words, notice your words, not somebody else's words, but your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. By your words. That's important to, to, to realize that. Not someone else's words, but by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. And so we can stop blessing from flowing into our lives by what we say. We can say things over our lives. We can say, you know, nothing ever good happens to me. I'll never get a raise. I'll never come out of this financial situation. I'll, my life will always be in uh, the sewer or what, you know, whatever. You listen to people talk and they say things like that constantly. And we, we have to understand that we, we can stop the flow of blessing into our lives by the words of our mouth. Or we can, we can give the adversary authority or opportunity over our lives just by what we say. Or the opposite is true. This is what he's saying here in, in Proverbs. The opposite is true. We can bring blessing, healing, increase, prosperity. We can bring peace and joy to our lives. And we can stop the enemy's attack by what we say. That's why it's so important that we say the right thing. See, what we say is our faith speaking. We are speaking out what we believe. You know, in Mark chapter 11, there's a very good verse here. I'd like to go to that. We didn't mention this passage last week, but I want to look at it a little bit more deeper because it's a very interesting uh, passage and it has a very interesting setting. In Mark chapter 11, let's start with verses 12 through 14. Jesus was, this is the last week of his life. And so he's in Jerusalem and he's spending uh, every night in Bethany and he's going every day uh, to the temple to teach. And so he walks, it's only a short distance, like it's a couple miles from Bethany to Jerusalem. And he walks that journey every day. And so one of the days that he's walking there, it says that he was hungry. And then he, it says he sees a fig tree afar off having leaves. And he went to see if perhaps he could find something to eat on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now listen to this. In response, Jesus said to it. Notice again, we saw this in Zechariah where, where he spoke to the mountain. He said to it. And here Jesus says to this tree, he says to it. He wasn't talking to the disciples. He wasn't praying. He was talking to this tree. It's crazy. This is crazy stuff. But he was talking to this tree. He said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And then it says his disciples heard it. And so Jesus walks up to this tree. He wants to find some fruit. He thinks there's some fruit on it because he sees leaves. So he comes up to it. There's no fruit. There's no figs. They say that in Israel that they have different fig trees. They blossom at different times or they bear their fruit at different times. This one, evidently, it wasn't the time for figs. And so he, no fruit. So he curses it. He says, no one's going to eat fruit on you hereafter forever. He didn't pray. didn't say, God, come down, smite this tree. He didn't say that. He spoke to the tree. And, and, so, and then the disciples heard it. And then he just walks on to Jerusalem. And he does his work there in Jerusalem. Then he goes back to Bethany that night. And so then in the morrow, the next day, we pick it up in verse 20. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, verse, Mark 11, verse 20, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. 
Now, what we're talking about here is we're talking about the power of words. And so here Jesus had spoken 24 hours earlier. He had spoken to this fig tree and he basically cursed it. That's what Peter said. He said, the fig tree which you curse. Peter remembered and he saw this fig tree and he said, look at that. He was, I mean, Peter was shocked. Look at this fig tree. The fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, what's interesting to me is I, I thought about this many times. If I was in that situation, what would I say? It probably wouldn't be what Jesus said. Jesus says something truly amazing, if you ask me. This is truly amazing. Jesus says to them all, uh, have faith in, he answered and said, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Have faith in God or have the faith of God. So he, he says, in a sense, he's, he's going to encourage them. And he says, for surely I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain. Now, here's the word mountain again. I used to always wonder when I'd read that verse in Mark where Jesus got the whole thing about mountain. And then I, years later, I read in Zechariah where Zechariah spoke to a mountain. Here Jesus says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Listen to that last phrase. He will have whatever he says. It's so interesting to think about that, that instead of Jesus saying, now listen, listen guys, listen disciples, don't you ever try this. This is something that only I can do. He didn't say that. He said, have faith in God or have the faith of God. And then he said, whosoever. So whosoever, he kind of just puts it out there like, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. So in other words, what he's saying is that what you say over your life, what you say over your family, what you say over your uh, physical condition, what you say over your children, what you say over your finances, and the list goes on and on. Whatever you say over it is your faith speaking, and you will have whatever you say. Isn't that interesting? And so that's why it's so important for us to say the right things, because this really is a, a battle that we're having. I think one thing that the enemy tries to do is he tries to get us to say things based on what we see or to say things based on how discouraged we are or to say things based on if we have a, you know, having a bad day or we have a negative emotion or a negative situation ha happens, to our, happens to us. He tries to get us to say something in response to that and, and bring uh, and stop the blessing of God over our lives. That's why it's so important for us to speak the right thing to speak faith over our lives. And so if Satan can keep us looking at the wrong things and speaking the wrong things over our lives, he'll defeat us every single time. Because that's what we do is we say, you know, we, maybe we have a, a day where, you know, everything goes wrong. And sometimes that's what happens is that you have a, you know, like there's an old expression that says, when it rains, it pours, you know. And, and what that means is, uh, you know, it comes like in groups of three or four, three or four bad things all at once happen. And so then we just got, you know, we'll say things like, oh, nothing ever works out for me. Nothing. I, I never seem to be able to figure stuff out. Uh, you know, I'm just unlucky or whatever. We just say stuff like that over our lives. And we don't realize that our words have power. You know, it's interesting. In Isaiah chapter 54, there's an interesting verse here. Um, in verse one, it says, sing, barren woman, you who have never ha bore a child, uh, burst into song, uh, shout for joy, you who, who were uh, never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Now, I, I read that one time and I heard somebody say this. I thought this is so, so amazing. He says, this woman is barren. He didn't say, you know, wait until you start having children and then sing. He said, sing. He says, sing beforehand. Sing when you're barren. 
and he's, listen to how he says it. Sing, barren one, you have never uh, bore a child. Burst into song. It, it kind of gives you this thing like, just burst into song and shout for joy, uh, you who have never been in labor. And, and so what he's trying to tell you is that you, before you ever see the answer, before you ever see the, the, the response, before you ever see the situation change, before you ever see, start praising God in song. Start declaring now in song what God, God's favor over your life. Just like in Zechariah, they said, they're going to they're gonna finish this and the people are going to be shouting grace, grace unto it, God's favor, God's favor. You know, you in a sense are, or you in a very real sense are a work of God. You are God's handiwork. Uh, God purposed that you would be a Christian, that you'd be born again, that you'd be a child of God. He purposed that before the foundations of the world. And so you are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And you need to begin to declare over your life the favor of God, the, the, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. God has favor in my life. God has placed his blessing in my life. You need to declare that over your life so that what God wants to do in your life, that that work will be finished, that he'll finish that work. What we say is so powerful. I want to bring this to a close as the worship team comes once again and we'll be singing one more song in, our, in conclusion. But God has made promises to us. Just like this barren woman in Isaiah chapter 54, God has made a promise uh, to, uh, to us, just like to this barren woman, that she was going to have a child. And he tells her to start singing, start shouting for joy before she, she sees anything happen. And so what happens is that she's supposed to sing in faith because she's received God's promise. You know, when we receive God's promise, we get God's word on something. That's the time that we start to rejoice. You know, it's interesting that the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they always worshiped, they always praised God and rejoiced once the answer came. But when they crossed over the Jordan and they got into the promised land, God told them, before you see the walls of Jericho fall, I want you to shout. I want you to praise me. I want you to glorify my name. I want you to shout for joy because he says, I have given you the city. And so we, we need to understand this principle of faith that God, that when God gives us his word, he watches how we respond to it. And if we respond to it in faith, the blessing will eventually come. Amen. We're going to sing this song as we get ready to close.
Amen. We're so glad that you joined us today. And we just want to say once again, don't let the enemy or circumstances or situations that you face, don't let that define you. Let God's word define you. Let God put his favor, his identity, his value, his worth upon your life. You are so valuable to God, so important to him. And he desires to see you come into the full measure of what he has for your life. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. Lord, I just speak favor over your people. Lord, even like in Zechariah, they spoke grace, grace to the temple. I just speak grace, grace to your people. Your favor, let your favor be upon, your strength be upon every one of your people today. Lord, let them just rise up in strength. Let them rise up in the spirit of God. Let them begin to be what you've called them to be. We just pray, Lord, that you cause them to rise up over every situation, over every circumstance, Lord, that they face. God, that they'll be strong and they will face situations from the standpoint of victory. Hallelujah. We just thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you again real soon.